Women in White Coats is here to uplift women doctors just like you. Empowering you in your personal and professional life. I'm Dr. Amber Robbins. And I'm Dr. Archana Shrestha. We are doctors, best-selling authors, and the co-founders of Women in White Coats. Now, are you ready for a culture shift where women empower women? Join us to get a glimpse of what life is like as a woman doc. And guess what? You'll discover that you're not alone. We're here to give you positivity and keys to balancing your life. This is the Women in White Coats podcast. Hey, Sister Docs, we've got exciting news. We just opened up registration for the 2021 Women in White Coats virtual conference and wellness retreat. And we can't wait to relax, grow, and connect with you during the online event, which will run from April 29th through May 1st, 2021. Attend workshops, wellness sessions, and hear about topics relevant to you as a woman doctor, while also earning 10 CME credits. We will also have fun networking events, like virtual happy hours, a book launch, and a Heroes Award Ceremony for you to connect with other women just like you. Since it's virtual, no matter where you live or what's going on with work or family, you'll be able to join in so that you can be uplifted and empowered by the conference. One of the things women say when they leave our events is how they no longer feel alone and they finally feel like they have found their tribe. Head on over to womeninwhitecoats.com for more info. We can't wait to see you there. Hello, welcome to the Women in White Coats podcast. I'm Dr. Marian McCrary, a writer's fellow with Women in White Coats. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Olutayo Sugunro, a 2021 Women in White Coats Hero nominee. Dr. Sogenro is an acute care and trauma surgeon in Connecticut. She completed her undergraduate degree at Central Connecticut State University and went on to a master's of biology. After graduating from Edward Via College of Osteopathic Medicine in Blacksburg, Virginia, she completed her general surgery training in Toledo, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me in this conversation today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'd like to start out with learning about what brought you to being a woman in a white coat. What what influenced you at a young age to become a surgeon? So for me, um, medicine was always something that I was interested in. I always loved science. I always loved um, taking care of people. For me, surgery came naturally because I love to see what was inside things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I love to take things apart and put them back together majority of the time. Sometimes I would forget because I was a kid and, you know, I would take down the lock of the front door or something and, you know, put most of it together. But my friends would come grab me, we'd go play. And then my parents would remind me to stop doing that. Um, <laughs> but generally, I loved seeing what was inside things um, and um, putting them back together. So surgery came naturally after that. I just love the way that things work and that they make sense. You know, um, they were made to be a certain way. And just because we don't know it doesn't mean that it wasn't made to be that way. So learning about that process was very important to me and just always very exciting. Yeah. 
So it was very that tangible, taking things apart, putting them back together, kind of making them whole again was something that you enjoyed doing from a young age. Right. Yeah. And I also, from learning about you, found out that you had a passion for teaching and you've taught fellow students, you've taught med, uh, residents, medical students. What have been your best experiences as a teacher? Yes, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, I really do enjoy teaching. I've had many really great experiences. Um, I think some of my favorite have been teaching students on international medical missions. Um, with my um, medical school VCOM, I've been um, a physician and preceptor on the international medical missions. Um, we've gone to several different um, countries, um, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Honduras, and really just um, give primary and surgical care to patients there. Mm -hmm. And getting to see second year medical students get out of the classroom and practice their clinical skills is exciting. You know, most of the trips are about a week long. And at the start of the week, they're often very timid and really just terrified, right? Because they're, they've just been in the classroom and reading and writing and not really getting, you know, 100% patient experience. So they start off just writing everything down, every last word, everything I say, everything the patient says. Um, and then by the end of the week, you know, they throw their notebooks away and they just have so much confidence and they'll just do all the talking. Like I just listen by that point, you know, I listen to their assessment and their plans. And it's literally like watching a caterpillar blossom into like a beautiful butterfly right before your eyes. It's, it's really an awesome experience. Oh, I love that, how they're just, they're blossoming and, and they've gained so much confidence by the end of the week that it's like they've right. been doing it forever. Right. Um, yeah, so you, you stated that education as the great equalizer for opportunity, I think were your words if I said them correctly. Correct. And you have a platform called the Do Influence that builds on that. How does that support that belief of of education being so important? Absolutely. Um, the Do Influence is an online educational platform that I started um, last uh, spring, summer, really kind of when we were getting a huge COVID surge in the um, Northeast, you know, all I could really do was work. Um, I was working in the COVID ICUs and then go home and, you know, I couldn't see family, couldn't do anything else. Um, a lot of students that I normally, um, you know, allow to shadow me and reach out to and just really work with them in terms of mentorship, I couldn't do that, right? The whole world kind of had to pivot and change. So I was like, how do I still, you know, communicate with these students and really just help them, you know, gain an understanding and love and appreciation for medicine and science and all these things, but in a safe six feet or greater, you know, socially distanced <laughs> way. And so um, I started to do influence. Um, it helps make education a great equalizer because it's accessible. So it's a resource that's free to students and provides career information from real professionals that are in those career fields. Um, they talk about how they got to where they got to, what were some of the classes they took, some of the you know um, types of extracurricular activities they participated in, what does their day-to-day -day look like? Basically, if you have to take like a career day and put it online, um, yeah. but from people who are actually doing it directly kind of talking to the students. And, you know, we also have educational webinars, mentorship opportunities, and professional and career development. So I kind of try to put it all together in terms of what would someone need to be successful in whatever it is that they want to be successful in? What were some of the things that I wish I had when I was younger that was accessible to me? Um, it's the hope is to help a student not just dream, but actually actualize their career aspirations. 
And sometimes you just have to see it and talk to someone that's doing what you want to do to know that you can do it too. A lot of socioeconomic disparities exist when it comes to education, not just, you know, in the United States on a global level. Um, I come from, you know, a country, Nigeria, and um, I come from two parents who were the first in their families to be college educated. And they really instilled in my siblings and I that knowledge is power and the key to change, not just your circumstances, but to change the world and make any kind of difference. And so I look at things as they are and as they come. And if you wanna actually make a change in the world and you gotta put a foot forward. So this is my way to kind of try and do that. Um, I learned a lot from my dad. My dad is in educational leadership. So by osmosis, I guess, um, a lot of that stuff, you know, trickled down to me as much as I'm like, no, I'm in medicine, I'm a doctor, but it's like, I guess I love education too. It's just in a little bit of a different way than him, but, you know, still education is education. And so a lot of his passions and ideals for education have rubbed off on me. So um, that's kind of how the do influence came to be. And that's how I feel like we can help education be something that's accessible to everyone by making it literally accessible. Yeah, so you you really were learning this at an early age as well, but I'm so impressed that with all of the pressures on, on you as a physician during COVID, actually being in the middle of everything, that you were still had so much passion to develop these programs for students and um, spend your downtime continuing to teach and and to help facilitate that. Thank and you, you. Talk, talking about the disparities, um, you know, with uh, with knowledge and how education can help that. It sounds like you're also very interested in the health disparities with some of the diseases that you, as a surgeon, would treat, like breast cancer and colon cancer, and and then also maternal fetal mortality. Um, which our OBGYN colleagues really work for as well. We hope you're enjoying this podcast episode. Let's take a quick commercial break. Hey, Sister Docs, have you lost your passion for being a physician? You are not alone. Nearly 50% of women doctors report burnout. Well, I'm here to tell you that you don't have to burn out. Instead, choose to burn bright in a unique online CME course created specifically for women doctors. Join the co-founders of the Women in White Coats blog, Dr. Amber Robbins and Dr. Archana Shrestha for a 12 month long journey back to you. You'll reconnect with your purpose and your passions and in the process will come out the other side feeling happy while burning bright. Oh, and when you sign up for this online course, you'll also earn up to 17 hours of category one CME. To learn more, head on over to womeninwhitecoats.com forward slash CME. All right, now back to the episode. What, um, what have those conversations been like regarding health disparities so far? And where do you see those going in the future? That's a great question. Um, and so I think that we've been doing a really good job so far. 
Um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a background. Ever since I worked in a women's center um, throughout all of college, health education and public health has really been a passion of mine, learning how to do programs and kind of get the community involved, because if the community doesn't buy in, then you're not going to make any progress, right? So with that said, you know, health disparities in minority populations are truly a public health issue. If 2020 taught us anything, it probably taught us a lot of things, um, but one of the things was that health disparities do exist. So I've been a part of some health disparity panels at two different institutions to focus on some common and well-known um, disparities such as that in COVID-19, uh, maternal fetal health, breast cancer, colon cancer, and some other ones as well. So, so far the conversations have been on colon cancer, COVID-19, um, and soon we're going to be doing breast cancer as well. And we have had great conversations. We have physicians from different specialties that also focus on that disease. So like, for example, you know, colon cancer, we would have not just surgeons, but we would also have oncologists and primary care um, physicians as well, because we all treat it um, in a different way, but we all are treating the same disease and see the same type of disparities. So we've really been able to kind of have these difficult conversations. And I think um, including medical students in the process, which is what we've been doing, um, we include research studies and we discuss these, not just on a clinical perspective, but on an academic level. We're discussing studies that, that have actually been done on these disparities. So some of our big takeaways have been always be willing to have these difficult conversations with colleagues, with patients, with anyone that needs it. And always be culturally sensitive to people who look different than you um, because we don't know everything, right? We What we actually know is a very small percentage um, of the total knowledge that's out there. And a lot of times when we live in a small bubble, we think we know everything, but we just know what's in that bubble. But the world is a lot bigger than that. So just be willing to look at that from a different perspective, from a different window, and always be willing to learn and grow from a situation. You know, we've had really great questions and you know, some people were like, wow, I, I didn't even think that that was a thing. You know, I didn't even realize that certain people were having those experiences. So being able to come to the table and all sit at a table and discuss it in, you know, in, a, in an academic setting and in a professional setting, it takes some of the emotion out of it. You know, some of these conversations are difficult because they can be emotional conversations, but having academic and professional and clinical conversations, sometimes you can actually get a word in and really kind of take something away from it. So the conversations have been, really been great so far. I've had a lot of support from um, the dean from my medical school, my undergrad, where we started this. Um, also from my department chair, where I currently work, um, who've really been interested in kind of getting these conversations started. So I've been able to work with them and kind of you know get the, the series going. It's been really, really rewarding for me. Um, where I see them going is making it a national conversation. Um, it's already starting, but I want it to become not just a conversation, right? I want us to actually come up with a structured plan of action so we can, you know, make a difference. I think having purposeful action and reaction is important. And it really starts from right home, you know, where you are on a local regional basis. So in order for it to become a true national conversation, I think we all need to do our part in our communities and that way we'll all be having this conversation. Yeah, yeah, just starting where you are, get that knowledge, listen to other people. And then if you can build it at home, then you can expand it. And if everybody's kind of working on this on their own, own turf, I guess, then it really can become um, a, such a bigger, um, I don't know, just a bigger initiative for the whole country. And that's right. where we need 
to be. That's where yeah. we need to be. Well, you've had so many rewarding experiences, at least from what we've talked about, and I'm sure many more. Um, what do you consider at the top of all of those experiences? Uh, yes, I feel like I'm early on in my career, but yes, I've had such awesome experiences and I'm excited to have more. Um, my most rewarding career experience thus far, I think, would be in mentorship of um, future physicians and future healthcare providers and scientists and anyone wanting to go into the nature of helping people. I think that education, altruism, and advocacy all boil down to wanting to make a difference, right? Wanting to make a positive difference in some way, shape, or form. And young people see that and they resonate with that. So if I can bring people along with me in this journey, then we have more people to bear the load. It doesn't become so heavy, right? We have more people to share that. And I'm still early in my career and I have a lot more things to learn and experience in medicine. I know that. Um, but the knowledge that I have experienced so far and those things that I can share with others, I do share. Um, I have a group of students um, from high school age to you know resident level age that I mentor directly. I help with everything from which classes to take, you know, during semester, should I do AP bio and AP chem at the same time, you know, um, to, you know, which um, books to use to study for boards, you know, or doing oral board preparation and doing practice questions um, and how to publish and do research. Um, I really do enjoy research. So I try and bring the students along with me because that's something that, you know, someone kind of has to get involved in and bring them along. It's not something that you kind of innately just do yourself um, unless you are you know, in that field already. So I brought a lot of students with me on um, different projects that I've been working on. Um, I've already actually had a few peer reviewed publications with these students that I mentor. Um, and so, you know, we get to learn from each other. Um, I learn every day still, right? I, I think that's the beauty of medicine and science that we keep learning every day because we don't know everything, like we can't. And that's what, gives us the hunger to keep learning. And that's what I love about research and I love to teach my mentees about research. So seeing them prosper and be successful is very rewarding. Just like it is for me when I get to call my mentor, my personal mentors and say, hey, you know, Dr. So-and-so I did this or this is what happened and they get to see me be successful. So, you know, the tradition and honor of medicine is so important because we literally pay it forward, right? So like our, our mentors mentored us, but our preceptors, right, taught us, you know, we learned a lot of things from the textbook, right, obviously, because that's what we pay a lot of money and <laughs> spend a lot of time doing. But a lot of things were taught to us on our clinical rotations, or not sometimes not even then, right? Sometimes you learn things outside of that, but it's because someone was paying it forward for us. So I just believe that paying it forward for other people People through mentorship, through sponsorship is really important. And if we do that, then the load doesn't become so heavy, right? So. Yeah, yeah. It's so impressive to think about how all of the, how the knowledge being passed down and, right. and, and you being uh, beginning for some folks and, and the middle for others, you know, where your mentors are seeing you prosper and go forward and continue to right. do this. So. Well, I think you've asked, I was going to ask you what, what you would want women in white coats in the future to know, but it sounds like you're already doing that. You're, you're helping them move along and, um, and actually be part of the process. Right. How, um, how have you found balance in, in your life outside of medicine and all these interests that you have in medicine and mentoring? What does that look like for you? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, the straightforward answer is 
I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, I really enjoy surgery and I really enjoy medicine and teaching and everything. And being a physician is, I mean, let's be real. It's part of who we are, right? As much as you're like, you know, everyone has those days where they're like, I wish I could just be a baker and do arts and crafts all day, you know, because I love doing those things, but you would miss medicine, right? So we all have those days. So it's just part of who we are, right? That like medicine and giving back and doing this is part of who we are. But over the last couple of years, I've really been paying more attention to intentionally making space and creating a work-life balance. I don't, it doesn't just happen, right? So we always say, oh, have a work good work-life balance right we all everyone puts the posters up or puts a little quotes up and you know what i mean like we're all like it's a thing and it's up there and it's out there but like you have to actually do it and you have to be intentional with it and so that's one thing that i realized um over the last couple of years that like it's all fun and games to say it and you know go for a massage every once in a while sure but like what else are you doing and so um being purposeful in the decisions that i make to create that balance you know my career choices and job choices and you know projects that i'll take on and things like that being really purposeful in those choices and uh, my personal life has very recently been more balanced and more enjoyable because i'm purposely, but also proactively making space and time for it. So it's really, really been great. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you want to create that space where you have energy for yourself so you can continue to have energy for all the other things that you want to do in creating that. Sounds wonderful. Well, finishing up, I'd love for you to be able to have a chance to tell all these women in white coats out there how they can find out more about you and the initiatives that you're talking about uh, before we finish up. Absolutely, thank you. Um, to find out more about you know, my educational platform and even if you wanna become a mentor to other future students, um, we would love to have you. Um, it is, um, the website is www.thedoinfluence.com. So that's T-H-E-D-U-E-I-N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E.com, thedoinfluence.com. And I'm also on Instagram. Um, I just actually joined like two months ago. Um, so talking about like that work-life balance, I was like, I guess I could have a social media page, you know? Um, so I created my own per Instagram like two months ago, totally late to the game, I get it. Um, but I am on Instagram um, at Dr. Olutayo Segunro. So just my first and last name with doctor in front of it. Um, when you click on my Instagram, you'll be able to see a link um, to my portfolio and all those types of things. And you can directly email me from that link and things like that. So um, the doinfluence.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn at Olutayo Segunro, um, and also on Instagram at Dr. Olutayo Segunro. Thank you so much for spending time talking with me. And congratulations again on the wonderful nomination as a Women Thank in White Hero for 2021 and beyond. Yes. yes, thank you so much. You're welcome. Hi there, Women Docs. We hope you've been loving this podcast and feel uplifted at the end of each and every episode. If so, we would really appreciate it if you could give us a five-star rating and write us a positive review. Those reviews help us get the word out and help uplift and empower more women doctors. But you know what? We'd love to meet up with you in person. So head on over to womeninwhitecoats.com and sign up to become a member of our supportive tribe. When you do, you will be the first to hear about meetups in your area, as well as upcoming live events. You'll also get our latest blog articles and podcasts delivered straight to your inbox. 
and you'll be the first to find out about the next time we open up our virtual doctor's lounge, an online membership community created just for women doctors, where each month we run masterclasses with guest experts and masterminds on topics relevant to women doctors. While you're on our website, womeninwhitecoats.com, order your copy of our number one best-selling book, The Chronicles of Women in White Coats. Oh, and be sure to follow us on social media too. On Instagram, you'll find us at Women in White Coats blog. And on Facebook, you can find us at Women in White Coats. Can't wait to meet up soon.